0: Oh, let's see what I'm doing here. Let's get all the good stuff. I'm um, having some camera issues. Let's go figure. Oh, there we go. There we go. You can see my pores. All right, I think we are live. We're live. Okay. What's up, guys? John Sintas here, Cutter Nation podcast with Cass Krightlow. What's going on? Um, First of all, don't forget to go check out the online store if you're in San Diego or if you're in Fresno and you feel like coming down, like our boy Davis did. We had a guy come all the way from Fresno down to do a little training, which was great. Is that and far? Fresno's like San Francisco, so it's like six, seven hours. Yeah, I didn't even realize. Yeah, he came down. He was Jack though. Yeah, he took a he took a trip. So um, but anyway, without further ado, Kurt Hughes, Ignite oh, Baseball, aka best friend of the big guy right here. The big beard. The yeah, beard, the beard, beard guy, the beardy. The white, less
1: athletic James Harden.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and slightly coming
1: familiar. in hot. Oh, we're coming in hot, Cass. Yeah. So, uh,
0: what's going on, man? Uh, you're, you're, where are you out of, and what is the deal? How are you doing? Who are morning?
2: you? Yeah. Well, Why should you? I
1: care? Tell us yeah, who yeah, art thou. So, uh, yeah. So I'm Kurt Hughes. Uh, I'm out of uh, Northern Virginia. Um, kind of like right by the DC area. And, uh, so essentially I'm a hitting coach. Um, and I specialize in like, uh, movement learning and like, uh, basically just movement acquisition, kind of very similar to the way that you guys train throwers. I train hitters. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, we kind of discussed about talking about a lot is kind of like the throwing versus hitting component and kind of how those things line up. But, um, as far as like me and who I am um, as, a, as like a baseball guy, um, I was never really that good a player. I uh, played Division Three, was like a decent hitter. As far as that's concerned, I spent most of my college career mad because I felt like the thing that was holding me back from being able to play at higher levels was my inability to hit for power. Um, so I kind of got pissed and tried to figure out how to do it on my own. Um, so a lot of what I do revolves around, you know, how do we – Um, generate force in the most optimal way Um, and really generating that force for like a long period of time through the zone not just at one point in the zone throughout the whole zone how do we hold that force for a long time um, and be in the way of the ball for a long time so um, that's kind of like how the whole thing got started Um, I was working at the Food and Drug Administration as a chemist and I was uh, coaching a travel team on the side, and I just thought the way they were teaching hitting was really dumb. And I was like complaining to my girlfriend every night about how bad, well, my girlfriend, now wife, about how bad they were at teaching hitting. And she's like, well, if they're getting paid for this, you can too. And I was like, that's true. So I quit my job. And I don't remember
2: you me telling you. me that.
0: That's all. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Uh, so, what a supportive, what a supported girlfriend. Good yeah. To watch future wife. Shout out to Jackie. There you go jackie jackie um so yeah that's me um and i'm in probably like year four of like teaching hitting stuff and year three of the business can you spend a
2: little bit more time on just the beginning and how you got started and i want we weren't even thinking about this but I think it is a huge thing of why people don't get into what we do because they, they do not understand how to begin. And that's a ben that's really why we know each other is because we right. related to each other so much in that struggle. Yeah. So,
1: um, when I was working at FDA, you know, it was like a cushy, like pretty good job to have, like as a, just as someone who just barely has their undergraduate degree, you know, I was making like you know, 50 something thousand dollars a year, maybe a little less than that, whatever, it doesn't matter, but like a decent right. amount of money. Um, so I quit that to basically, you know, sign up for a job that I was gonna make zero dollars yeah, a year. To make no money. Yeah, to make zero dollars a year. And I was like, well, I waited tables in college. So like I have that skill so I can kind of just do that while I'm getting things started. So um, I worked at a restaurant for like almost two years while I was getting it started. And just, like, hustled super hard. And so my schedule was, like, I'd work during the days, during the week, and teach lessons at night. And then I would um, work at nights and the weekend and teach lessons during the day. And I had, like, no days off for, like, two years. And I still kind of don't have days off, which I'm working on now because I'm getting busier now. So now I can start, like, arranging my schedule. Oh, man. where Like, you know, I can actually, like, be home every once in a while and do the, the husband stuff.
2: But, you know um, – Yes, that's how I got started.
0: That's pretty sick.
2: We should have a partnership with some sort of restaurant, like chain restaurant, just across the country. Like, hey, you—we're just gonna refer you all of these hundreds and hundreds of baseball coaches. Just make them more than minimum wage because it should be like a diner. Something, yeah. anything, I anything. I'm all about it. Denny's, Perkin. I don't, I don't care what it is, right. like
0: hey i worked at a chili's when i was rehabbing that's what right, because we talked about
2: mess. it and now you bring it up again and it's
0: I, like hey i know it listen i i really think like coming from the service industry world and like getting into it like it's almost like the way people say about the military like i think everybody in america should wait tables for like two years just
2: I, so the day they
0: day. see it you know what i mean it's like i don't yeah. know about your store but i was at like a vacation destination and yeah. we just got like you just got ripped all the time it would be like what is 20%? I'm like, uh, what do you mean? What is 20%? It's easy, just do the math.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. mine was more like of a um corporate like affluent area. So um that was kind of lucky.
0: Yeah, it's fine. I, <laughs> hey, I started at a Chili's and ended up at what we called the cougar cove, which was I wore a bow tie every day. Yeah, so I know exactly what you're talking
1: oh, about. Wait, was the name actually called the Cougar Cove?
0: No, no, no. That was the that was the alias to the reason <laughs> it was called the ocean club
1: okay they still okay. had like a
0: big band and everything like we'd, like sometimes I'd, I'd walk by with like a tray of food and set it down like right in front of like a 16 piece band and there'd be one table in there i'm like this is so awkward this is these people are just getting blasted with music the whole time and right. <laughs> probably That's can't funny. hear themselves and the nature d thought would be a good idea just to put them right next to the band unreal <laughs> yeah it's a, a great spot yeah so
2: let, let me connect everything together and then we can kind of run from there so um i think it's important to know why the heck we know kurt hughes and why i continue to know him and why we are having him on today so i have known what i feel like it's like two years kurt getting on that point yeah 18 uh, to 24 months is yep, set. something those, along those lines yeah. Something along those lines and it was actually because of hitting you know i did a ton of hitting instruction in minnesota um, and it's something that we're just not doing at this moment. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it stemmed from there and now it's, it's really evolved and I appreciate our conversations because we talk about life. We talk about business. We talk about, we talk about everything. Yeah, so, and, it, and it's just weird that we're able to have this relationship because of Instagram and social media. So, I mean, I know John because of social media and this is something that, to summarize, I, I, I hear a lot of people making excuses and and complaining and saying things like social media isn't good or CrossFit sucks because it gets everybody hurt or baseball players should never overhead. But with all of these things, like those are just huge generalizations. And anyway, um, yeah, so social media is it has been a very positive thing for me, especially in the last twenty four months. So that's why we know Kurt, and Kurt and I talk at least—it seems like once a week, if not more—and yeah. um, so it's been—it's re- been really fun getting to know you. I've—I—I I've, had I don't even, I haven't even met him yet, so we're yeah. gonna have to make have a trek.
0: Oh, 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 yeah, we'll, we will definitely. We we are a traveling circus. We were talking yeah. about it the other day. Like, he and I are—we're ready to take over. You know, it's like every, we need every we need to we come to Virginia in, yeah. in the next yeah. 12 months. We, we uh, every day we come in there, we get a new person. Like, Absolutely. it's crazy to me, dude. Like,
2: that's actually this is dumb because this he's the easiest guy. I know that's what I'm saying. We, we, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get there,
0: yeah. We'll get there, we'll cross that bridge when we get there or get on that plane or whatever we're doing. Yeah, no, but anyway, it, it, it's funny. Like, there's and when you see the system, as, as you called it, a system, which is, um, you know. It's fun that let me let me spin. I was gonna go one way. I changed my mind. But you you know him talking about you guys and then the social media side and sharing information and ideas. Um, we do it with Cordell. Um, I do it with Cordell, kind of how you two do it, uh, Cordell Green, the A.K.A. Yep. The, the natural ball player, um, which is so fitting for him. Every day I watch him throw or hit. I'm like Jesus, like what? You're a six seven monster. Like he's large. Hit. Yeah, you're a large human and you move. He's not back. small. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, yeah, it's, it's super cool that, that um, the people have kind of taken over with the private sector and be able to get to some of these kids. And I feel like the game is changing for the better with a lot of people. But also, I still feel like it's so far behind a lot of really what's going on. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. So so let
2: me, let me tee it up for you. Okay. So we think that we're saying something that is fairly unique on our side of the world for throwing. And that's that rotation is essentially the king of what we, of what you want to do when you throw. Like if you are not rotating, you're, you're going to be missing out on so much to the point of like, I like to think of things in extremes. So would you rather do this to throw the ball or would you rather do this to throw the ball and it's like every single time i'm going to pick rotate over a linear move it doesn't mean that there aren't linear components to throwing it's just that the primary movers and i shouldn't use that because i don't know how i'm using that word but the big component of what builds the throw is rotation and we spend a lot of time cleaning that up and teaching kids how to simply rotate better It doesn't look like that and that's where we argue with people but that's how we feel and I think that's where there's a lot of similarities so why don't you go into talking about how you know similarities you have or just like how you what's that onboarding process for you and and how do you you said you like a movement movement specialist I'm assuming that has something to do with rotation tell us more about that
1: it's everything it's all about preparing to rotate and then rotating so often what I see with primarily younger athletes, but sometimes older athletes as well, is that kids don't prepare to rotate correctly. I, I mean, love that, by the way. Right. So when I say prepare to rotate, really that means, to me anyway, that's pelvis slide. And I think that you guys do that with your K-drill a lot, where you have the kids with their arms up like this. Because, i I'm you know what? It's a video podcast. I'm going to stand up and show it, okay? Oh, so here we go. go. So, here we go. So when you guys do your K-drill, right – I'm probably gonna do it wrong, so don't correct my movements too much. My dog might make a cameo because she's right here. So good. So you guys do your K drill. The shoulders tilt like this, but also what's happening down here? Can you guys see my hips or no?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. We call okay. it we call it positive angle.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's happening down here when I do this is my hips tilt. So the next move here is pelvis slide with a pelvic tilt like this, right? Yeah. And in hitting, it's the exact same thing. And what we don't want to see in hitting is pelvic tilt with a forward move, and then pelvis flattening. We need the pelvis to stay tilted and then rotate on a tilt so I can rotate on the angle that I want. Now that might be a little bit different in in throwing, but in hitting, we just wanna maintain that tilt and maintain it while we rotate. So a lot of times what ends up happening with hitters is they'll go like this and their pelvis will stay flat. They won't tilt at all, or they'll start the tilt and then they'll reach for the ground and they flatten out again, which makes their head fly forward and doesn't allow them to brace with their front leg. So the main thing that I'm trying to do with hitters when they walk in the door is teach them how to tilt their pelvis and slide it forward to then transition into their rotation. So often I find that if I teach kids how to rotate properly, but I don't teach them how to get into like their rotation properly, kind of like sliding down the mound when you pitch or however you guys teach that, um, I find that hitters really, really struggle because there's a timing component of doing all that where pitching is a timing component too, but it's more of a timing with the rest of your body. But like hitting it, I'm trying to time it with what the pitcher's doing and you know how the ball is approaching. So that ability to control that, that movement and to make that heel land at the right time is huge in hitting. So does that kind of clear some stuff up?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like we would use, so I love what you were saying about that. That made sense. And I try to go as simple as possible for what you're saying and try to keep it positive negative angle. Oh yeah. Um, we don't even, we don't even allow a neutral. We don't want a neutral because everything yes. happens with us where our snap or our throw or whatever we're trying to do happens where we try to keep the positive angle. Um, sorry. We try to keep the positive angle down the mound and then when you that's turn crazy. throw then everything snaps and goes together with it with uh and going all the way into rotation
2: but i love that how you said that you are either preparing to rotate or you're rotating i that that to me that that is so i love that i could not like that anymore that is fantastic so that's can I, to me buddy can I ask a pitching question because i'm kind of learning about this
1: a little bit so like i'm going to just kind of make a blanket statement about pitching versus hitting and you guys can either confirm or deny my thoughts okay so like imagine that my hands right here are my pelvis like just my arms right so in pitching it's like you lift your leg and it tilts and you go down and then when your front foot lands it goes kind of like this like you kind of come over it like that right and then hitting it's here, and then you land, and it's still here. Okay, so
2: I I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because that's what I – I couldn't remember exactly what it is. So I don't know because I I think – I I wanted to hear his answer, but I think um, we need to talk about what Trevor Bauer does and what they say in hacking the kinetic chain. So I want to know his answer, but I think it's more similar than we think. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing uh, because – so – the feeling is more of a, oh, come on, let's swap the camera. Okay. The feeling is more of a, almost like a front shoulder dunk when you're going into it. But when you try to actively front shoulder dunk, you kind of lose your posture and what you're trying to do. So what we try to say is right shoulder across the body. So it starts the left side of it, but you have to keep the positive angle, which which really, okay, so we'll go back even further. Positive angle to us, and we're going to make a statement. Which is pelvis it's,
1: tilt like this, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Positive yeah. angle, which is, 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 is this simple that we say to positive angle that anybody can do it. If you keep your left foot higher than your right foot, your right.
1: entire body reorganizes to have a positive angle no matter how far you're stepping. Which is why I make people step over, like I'll make people step over like a really small, like pliable ball when they're yeah. doing their step. Exactly. They step over it, their pelvis tilts, and they're into it correctly. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So then we cut. Co- so, what we, so like how we teach our slide step um, would be the same thing that you would do, where we're trying to keep our front foot one foot off, off the ground, traveling yeah. ahead of our body. Yeah. Right. So that's similar, except for we're trying to create as much, we call it sideways. We're trying to go sideways
1: as fast as we can before right. we rotate. So I think but you want to go sideways with that tilt. Exactly. I think that's the thing that a lot of pitching coaches kind of screw up is that they want pitchers to really drive off the backside, which is not wrong, but you need to drive off the backside with the tilt. You don't want to drive off with a flat tilt. That's when you can really kind of leave your arm out and really mess up your exactly. Arm, right?
0: That's exactly of my point. My point is let's say negative angle, and what happens is so we can cast his face. The shoulders. Right I know he's trying to hold restraint. It's hilarious. Oh, it's good. It's good. So, the shoulders to us are one piece, but most people look as the arms as two pieces, right? I'm sorry. Everybody looks as the arm. Yeah, two separate pieces. They look at just the throwing shoulder instead of both shoulders because they are connected, especially in the back. Um, what we've yes. been looking at is that the traps, the and, and the scaps and everything—they're actually one muscle for what they're doing. It's yep. right side, right side, left side. So if the back's connected, obviously the chest is is one piece. So 100%. They have to. This entire. So is, body, so is the pelvis. What's up? So is the pelvis. Exactly. All the chain. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So like, but we just don't look at it. We break it up into quadrants. That way, when you look at particular pieces, yeah, there is a little bit of independent movement. But notice right shoulder, left shoulder. They pretty much move together, right? So what we're trying to do with them is when we get to it, is we are trying to rotate our feet, right? Because we're trying to work up to the kinetic chain to right have our feet so it goes feet, knee, hip, shoulders, right? As fast as we ground up. Exactly, exactly. So that's where we talk about the feet because we try to identify the body parts that are the easily the most easiest recognizable to a young athlete, okay. right? So if we go after the feet. And we try to tell them like how we're trying to get their toes pointed, try to keep the positive angle with the front foot as it's going down the mound. That's a little bit of a skill where it takes them a little bit of time to figure out kind of how to go out with that positive angle. And we use slow motion video as well as with the radar gun to basically almost do like a science experiment every throw when they're trying to go as hard as they can. Let's right. walk your body, what it does, right, how fast it moves, and then what is produced by that throw and how fast is it done. Right? right. So, like, obviously, we're trying to get it to
2: go up, up, up every time in order for us to be able to get there. I did that because that was, I loved how he said that. I haven't heard him say it like that. And that was a visual. Somebody can zoom into that. Okay. Um, I don't think he's answering your specific question. I love everything that John is saying, but I, I think you're talking about, like, okay, so from the rear view of a picture, like when you're looking at the pelvis, I'm going to need to make, okay, so. I can only think about it. I need to. I need to turn around so we can talk about it the same way. Okay, so I'm looking at the athlete at home, and you're saying that you're going to typically see a hitter where their pelvis is tilted sideways like this, right? Well oh, you know.
0: Sorry, I totally forgot to answer your question. <laughs> no,
2: <that's fine. laughs> no, that,
1: right? Yeah. But I think you confirmed it. You said yes, like right after I got done. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I I did. But on the pitching side, like yes, the right hip does go lower for what you were talking about in order to like get it. The right leg, the back leg, has when the when the right leg rotates to go down because of the front leg bracing, like you're talking about with it, the right pelvis actually does
2: flip lower because the right knee is pointed at the ground. I agree with. And but and the right but the weird thing is that the right shoulder and the right elbow pop up. And then because that side needs to be extended, like we need upward rotation of the scap at that moment, right? So at the time that the pelvis tilts this way, right, where the right side is lower for a right-handed thrower, like you're actually doing this with the upper half. So I think like you, you tend to feel this, but literally I think if you see this happen with the pelvis, I think that's bad. That's where you'll see the, the –
1: But you're saying what, – what I was saying is that you get positive angle and then foot plant and the throat starts and it goes like this.
2: Yeah, but you're – okay, so stay, there, stay right there. Uh, here. Flip, flip the backside through. Okay, so yes, I, so flip it. Uh, I can't do it here. Can we put it back to me so I can see what I'm hey, doing? Loose, I can't use that pen. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll have to do that a different time when video is, is not not, what what we like to say too. And we just
0: don't have space. I'm in my new place and there's a wall, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, but what we're looking at is that, uh, to answer your question, the way we describe it is the right hip folds into the left hip. That's what we're really, what we're trying to do. We're trying to twist our right leg as hard as we can into it to try to create that snap tension point on the leg, but creates and ghosts over.
2: Just hard back leg internal rotation. And we don't want over rotation. We don't want under rotation. We just want like snap into that as, as much as possible. I would actually prefer over rotation.
0: I would rather you twist as hard as you could into it just to launch your body to go into as fast a rotation as you could. Yeah.
1: Yep. Interesting. Yeah, It's so- weird. So I usually talk about the swing from above the waist and I don't talk about the feet that much. Um now we I need to get you to talk, talk to Cordell. You need to talk, yeah. about, you need to talk to Cordell Green. Yeah.
0: You need like Well we talked we today, talked about it a lot. Today you need to talk to Cordell Green because it
1: made so much sense to me. We because talked we about Cordell about a lot, man. Yeah. So the reason I'll I'll give you the reason why I don't really talk about the feet that much um, is because if you want a full rotation as far as, like, is hitting is concerned, the legs run out of room too quickly where I can't continue to rotate when I'm thinking about what my legs are doing because eventually the length of my leg becomes, like, not, no longer, like, muscles that I can use. Kind of like if I was going to do, like, uh, like an Olympic lift and I got my arms, like, way up here, uh-huh. there's nothing else I can do to that bar, right? Uh-huh. But if I'm, doing, if I'm doing a turn, I'm going to stand up again because that's what I do. If I'm doing a turn. I like this guy. If I'm doing a turn, can you see my legs kinda? Yeah, yeah. way better. Good adjustment.
0: Great legs.
1: Thanks, dude. (laughs) So if I'm doing a turn and I'm really focusing on like what my legs are doing here, Uh eventually I can't turn my leg anymore or push my leg anymore to rotate my pelvis. If I want to continue rotating, it needs to come from up here because these muscles can control my pelvis to go even further. So yeah. if I want my rotation to go all the way to here, which is here's the pose that Cordell's always talking about, right? If I uh, wanna get all the way to here and get to my pose, the at least the last part, maybe you can start with your legs for the first part, but the last part definitely has to be done by the obliques to get to here.
0: Okay, I, I, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna, Cordell and I—I I don't know if you and I talked about this—but I'm gonna. Can you go back? Can you stand back up for me? Because let's do this. So the court, the part that Cordell's talking about for the rotation and the snap isn't necessarily for range of motion. It's yep. a position of strength to or like to optimize like how forceful you are and how stable you are when you hit the baseball. So okay. what he's talking about is. When you do so like if you were to squash the bug like how we were told not to but actually we actually know that that is a pretty good kind of thing to do the harder that you turn your right side into your left side like you're trying to throw your right inner thigh into your left right okay. you, yeah but twist it as hard as you can as far as you can so when you do it okay now see you face your your position right there right and obviously the next thing to do from that would be to launch the hands and get the core to go through it so what he talks about is if you can create a connection from the core and is use as many leg muscles as you can that you're going to be into that, it's kind of like the bracing for what we see with one of the powerlifting guys that we do into it. So your body is in a strong, almost locked out position. So you're hitting the ball at the most stable, strong position. So it's basically his snap hold the pose. That's why he's talking about you're trying to create a torque position with your body that allows your arms to slingshot. And be rewarded with the bat going as fast as you can forward.
1: So it's, it's not just so the ball; it's also so we can be stable. So when the ball hits our bat, we're like a hundred percent. That's exactly what he fast. exactly exactly. He's trying to
0: put yeah. You're trying to twist into the strongest position, like because that's exactly what we're trying to do when we when we throw. Um, for us, our back leg. So let's do this for me. Well, I'll do the same analogy with throwing. Cross your arms like this right here. And if you were to throw, if you were to step sideways and throw and twist your back foot and your right hand as far as you can, when you do that, I'm sorry, your right shoulder, excuse me, your right shoulder. If you were to twist your right shoulder and your right hand and see, even then you did, you did exactly what everybody else does, which is what we run into is you leaned forward, right? Right. And like you exactly. bend your back and lean forward, and when we do it, it's it's not like I said, it's not that it stays there, it's not that it doesn't go forward. But what we saw was actually you lean forward with your face, and then you rotate it, instead right. of just basically throwing your right shoulder forward when you twist. Right. So
1: ideally, it should be like this.
0: Exactly. That was perfect. so
1: then some of us going down the mound is going to be the thing that brings us forward.
0: Exactly. So actually, what we think brings the chest down is your throwing hand. So like if you're throwing hand, when it goes out, when you unload all of that energy from the foot, knee, hip into the shoulders, and when the hand goes out and releases all of the energy, if we don't slow our hand down at all, then it will actually pull our body off the mound for what we're trying to do. But by front leg bracing, when we, when we know about rotation, the longer we can go into our front leg when we go into it, the more powerful we will be in our rotation because we will rotate in the same spot faster.
1: Got it, which is why you guys do that lean back drill, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. We're trying to have – because, like, what what I believe in is, like, it's a blend of, like, a couple different popular uh, training facilities of what it does. But it's kind of, like it, – it's kind of how I refigured out how to throw after I broke my elbow because I noticed that what I called short arm action, which is very popular right now because it does produce a fast arm, I noticed that the – way my arm responded because I'm such a long-arm guy and a long-arm thrower that it didn't feel good when I was so short, right? So if right. you look at like a James Paxton or a, um, a Roland Chapman who in my opinion are more long-arm throwers, I'm yep. looking at the distance from the spine and the ball and basically trying to play that g-force axis of when that hand comes all the way around with it to create the connection right. of it for it to go through. Yeah. So the faster I can move my hand Everything that moves with the hand and the spine, as long as it rotates together, it will be on time and you will produce an easier throw. And I'm sure that's kind of like what you were talking about with hitting, um, with your stuff, where that's what got me with Cordell, because I took some of his concepts of his 100% effort at perfect time, that phrase just resonated with me. And so that's one of the things that we keep talking about with our guys is, hey, have perfect timing, make this the best rep you can with max effort at perfect time, because nobody, everybody thinks there, there's a giant myth that you have to throw, it. like there's so many bullets in the arm or there's a bunch of um, things that just don't make sense because it's not that there's so many bullets in the arm, like Cass has seen me for, I don't know how long, now. What six months or so, I don't think he's ever seen me complain about my arm or my arm's never hurt, he's seen me throw at least, what, three times a week, no problem and I'm 33 and it's like, if for what everybody's telling the athletes about their arm. I just completely disagree now because there's too many doctors and people fear mongering. Cause there's a whole market. There's a whole yeah. business to, yeah. to like, Hey, don't get hurt. And like, that's how every time someone tells me about their doctor or something, I'm just like, I don't, I just don't trust them. There's, there's, not one doctor that i've ever met that's been like dude i've been in game seven before and i knew I, I wanted to pitch and help the team win like no dude, you were you were stuck in the books all night that's what you were doing you don't know what it's like to like try to give the last ounce of your throw of your arm so you can win the freaking baseball game so i don't want right. to hear it from you you're just going to fear monger the whole time and tell me that well if you keep going like that you're going to get hurt yeah no kidding
1: everybody knows you could get hurt you know right it's all about, for our, us, it's just about how to, like, mitigate that risk the best we can, you know? Yeah. I think there are some things, obviously, like, I, I don't want to totally, like, say that, like, doctors don't know they're talking about it. And there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of things that we can take away from, like, the way that the body moves in order to, like, help mitigate that risk. Like, how do we pass, like, the stress from, like, the UCL onto, like, other parts of the body so that way, like, we're getting less on the ucl like there's definitely things that we can take away from that
2: but like yeah no i hear you there's yeah i think the bigger statement is like most people aren't that good at what they do Yeah. like period like whether you're playing the game whether you're coaching the game whether you're at a bank it doesn't matter like most people aren't very good and that includes includes medical doctors like there are many pc many ppt people that i've talked to that are not very good like most athletic trainers that I've met are not very good. That does not mean there are not really good ones out there. But right. we, we just assume and, and I this is beyond my expertise to have a like articulate conversation about like the social aspects of this, but like I can't I can't speak on that. But like that people just assume that doctors are right. And that, oh, if if this doctor tells me I should take this pain medication, then I should probably take this pain medication. And I just think like, we have to be more critical. So, yeah, yeah, it's so hard because awesome. it's like. So
1: I have a. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just gonna say it's hard because it's like you know I don't have kids yet, but like if I there's a time when I do, right? Let's say it's a couple years down the line. I'm not gonna put a stamp on that of when that's gonna be, but like if my kid like has a hundred and three fever, like at two o'clock in the morning, like I'm gonna call the doctor. Thousand percent. You know what I mean? So like it's, it's hard. Yeah, like, I don't well, want yeah, whole, not, like zig. Exactly. That's I what was, I would like, do, like a mini too. zig, to yeah. know that there is like a industry that's built around like people getting hurt and around this fear mongering culture. But at the same time, it's like huh, I don't know. It's hard.
0: And I think there's a difference in like doctors that are like it's medicine and like the doctors. What I'm talking about because I yeah, I,
1: yeah. I, I will
0: officially say it. I went to the Andrews Institute. That's who did my surgery on my elbow. and like those are guys are supposed to be the best of the best and they told me that i'll never throw again before and after my surgery and to me logically all i did was break a bone i didn't have anything wrong with my ligaments nothing wrong with my tendons or muscles i had something wrong with my nerve that they didn't find out till later because they just didn't look for it gee thanks thanks for the second surgery to go back and fix the nerve but uh, it went back to the same thing and then he told me the exact same thing that and my aunt is a vice president of a giant, giant um, um, hospital chain, and she explained it to me. She's like, "John, if they say that you can come back, it becomes a liability, and it's all about yes. malpractice. So they have to say no. They have to yes. say you, you you can't throw again. They would rather they would rather be wrong and go well. Hey, good for you, and pat you on the back because they got paid, and that's all that matters. Hundred percent. Right. So I'm like, okay, all right, so." You know the kid that i don't know if you, you probably saw the kid that we had um that hit 95 on his running gun yeah. and he was he was supposed to have tommy john and the way he was throwing the i don't know if he told you but four years from that i did a clinic uh, when he was a freshman and i told him if you keep throwing the way you're throwing with your arms swinging up early like that you're going to have tommy john it's going to happen it's just a matter of time and sure enough i run into him when i'm back in the area start doing my thing again and his elbows killing him and he hadn't changed anything you know, and I was funny is I actually able to go back into an old video file of a promo video that I posted and he's he's in it throwing and he's doing the bad, you know, technique of what we say is like, I, like, I'll come down and say it like fingers to the sky is the worst thing you can do for a baseball player. Is there a- to show that post without showing? <laughs> no, we'll have to send. no. OK, what? so there was. Yeah, but, so. but
2: it's everybody's seen it. it's like it's just very reputable. Can you show it? Yeah, just no, 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 the one need to show. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's so. like we're on a one knee. this thing. Okay, so like we'll oh, yeah, yeah, this is okay, yeah. right? We've all seen that. Yeah, you're good. Yep. Okay, we've all <laughs> seen that, right? And, and like, yeah. it's something that I have in the past been like, that is such a bad thing. And now there's just, there's somebody else. It, it helps that John and I have some commonalities in these experiences that we've had. Cause like, I went into the world. I literally just said this on my YouTube channel yesterday. So like, this is what I was shown in the camps that I was first around right? This is where we need to be or slightly higher. And I was like, hey, I see all of these kids in our camps that get their arms up here, and then they come down and throw like that, you know? And I'm like, this can't be it because I'm seeing video of Greg Maddox, and he looks like that. And then it goes, woo, you know, and he's throwing, you know? So anyway, we're getting a little bit too much throwing on my, in my opinion. I want to go... So, essentially, hey, let, me, like, let, me our yeah. let me talk about that.
1: enjoying our conversation. Let me talk about that, no. like, pose uh, position, like, from my perspective, real quick. Yeah, for sure. then sure. we'll jump to other stuff. Yeah, okay. definitely. So, I'm going to do it from a couple different angles. Can you guys – I'm going to turn my phone like this, or actually, it's going to mess up the video. Isn't yeah, it? yeah.
0: We can see okay. your okay. leg,
1: though. I'll just leave it. Can you guys see? Up to yeah, you get down yeah, way more. More. There? Yeah. More. My wife would love your place. Yeah, it's nice. My, my wife designed it, so, you yeah. know, I'm sure they'd get along. Can you see us?
0: Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. So, the way that I look at this it, is I want hitters to land in a position where there's a little space between their knees like this. I don't want their knees like this and their feet to be in line <laughs> because that really forces them to not be able to tilt well because it's almost like I'm standing on a tightrope. Can you guys see that?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So, like, if my feet are really, really in line like this, and in my opinion, Cassidy and I have talked about this a lot, but this is why I think, like, scissor kick has kind of become, like, a big thing. Now, whether or not, like, there's value to, like, why it's being taught or whatever, I don't have a whole lot of data to say, like, yes or no on that. But what I do find is that when people end up here, they can hit high pitch as well, but their only way to hit a low pitch is by going way, way down with their hands like this, which we know is a
2: problem because are your feet in line right now or are they open? They're in line. Yeah, so his feet are on a tight rope right now. I can't see your feet, Kurt, but I, I see what you're doing. So his feet are just oh, like I this. These things saying- I I
0: you got to slide your if you slide your phone to the edge of the thing, we should be able to see oh, it. Oh, there you go. Oh there it is. We're good.
1: Better. Yeah, yeah. Just want yeah. you to see, my legs. You see yeah, my legs. we got you. We got you. Okay, cool. Those so here in a tightrope there like this, there you go. My ability to tilt down is really wrapped up in my ability to make my hip go really far this way, mm-hmm. and that's just not really an efficient move in the swing. So if my feet are here and I have a little bit of width between my feet, my tilt becomes a lot easier, and I can use my leg muscles, kind of as Cordell was talking about, in order to stabilize here which allows me to go really, really down to hit this pitch if I need to. Now, if I scissor kick, the same thing happens, except I have more force on my front leg supporting me. And if my feet are here, it's more force on my back leg supporting me to go get low pitches. So really it's just our bodies trying to fight, like to establish a balance component at contact. And that balance component is really, really important at contact because I wanna be solid and connect it to the ground and make contact with the ball so the ball can bounce off our back in the most efficient way possible. So I do a lot of stuff like, um, I use like rebel racks a lot and like I'll do like rack turns where like the person is like really stable here and they just rotate their T-spine and try to hold their feet in the ground and like really be stable with that. And a really easy way to work on like their leg stability is just increase the weight that they're, that they're turning when they use the rack because if they're unstable and just fall out of posture. Yeah, so that's one of the things that I do a lot that seems to work really well. I think that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about with regard to that. But yeah, that's kind of. Hey, and so I asked I asked
0: Cordell this question, and I, w- I want to know your opinion of it too. I I said because he's so absolute on stuff, and right, you know, and, and I get it, you know, he's he's taking a stance, um, yeah, yeah, but it works for his guys. You know, we saw it like the the kids 100%. that he the kids that hit off those hack attacks and what they were doing was it was very impressive, especially then like the sure. longer we were there and they didn't warm up, they didn't do T work. They didn't do soft toss. They just jumped in the cage and crushed. And I was like, this is weird. This is, yeah, this sure. kid's first swing was a laser beam like that's yeah. That's new. That's cool. I haven't seen that yeah. before. Um, but, and, and I told him this too, because he was so absolute. And I, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. I think it can be both. I think in certain yeah. situations, some guys scissor, And some guys don't on accident because my job is to get you off balance and you guys get off balance all the time. And most of you guys are athletes and athletes react and try to do the best they can in situations. So whether they hold
1: their pose or they scissor or they don't, if the ball goes over the fence, who cares? Right. I mean, like the reality is, is that our body is going to select for movements that try to balance us. It just does like Mm -hmm. anything. Like if I push you, like your body's going to try to adjust not to fall over. Yeah. Right. So like if you throw me a ball that's down and I accidentally like stride it in a little bit further than I want to like my back leg's gonna kick out it just is and like I see this in my athletes like all the time like they'll be taking batting practice or, or whatever and on one swing they'll pull their foot like right forward like so if you're, here's the feet right the right leg will go like this my right this is my right leg this is my left leg right it's a right hand hitter the yeah. right leg will go like this, and then they'll stick and land right. But then on the next swing, the pitch is in a different location, and they don't—they aren't able to rotate their pelvis quite as far. The right leg will go like this. Like it just—it's a pitch to pitch like variable thing, and yeah. really like you know when you think about it, like we're trying to train you know perfect movements in an imperfect world, like pitchers govern what the hell we have to do and the reality is is we're trying to hit the ball hard and not get out
2: like i i think really his argument i mean it doesn't matter his argument is his argument i i, I get where he's coming from i get where you're coming from like oh, I, yeah. I do think it's just a but go ahead no i
1: i ten thousand percent agree with you and i don't want to uh, this is not this conversation is not meant to be like i disagree with xyz right not- yeah. i know it's- no and it's, it's-
0: Cornell's cool enough to be like understand that like everybody has their own opinion of Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he, he 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 enjoys that we all debate and talk about this too because we we literally throw out theory all the time or theory or data like data analysis is what he and I have been talking about lately right. about like the information that he's getting because he's collecting his own Rapsodo data on all his hitters and like yeah. we saw it. there was a grown man eighteen year old kid in there that's going to. I don't remember what school he's going to where, where was that probably yeah i mean where was that linebacker going there was a linebacker in the cage and his first swing scared the living shit out of me like right <laughs> as i put it in, like he hit it over my head and i went what the hell was that like who's this kid? <laughs> and he goes yeah watch him get going and then sure enough i think he just posted rap soda data and the kid had like 109
1: exit below and i'm like oh yeah no kidding i remember that it's pretty good so, yes weird so But that kind of gets to another question. I'm going to do the lead in this time to the next thing that we were going to talk about. So like that gets to like the next thing is like when people do things a lot, they get good at them. Like I could teach anything. And if I could get people to get passionate about what they're doing and come in like, you know, three times a week, like they would get really, really good. Right. Yeah. You guys could teach awful stuff and people could come in. You don't. You teach great stuff. Shout out to cutter nation. Boom. Uh, but, uh, if people were like doing things a lot, like they'd get better at them. It just, it is what it is. Right. I agree. But, like the challenge for people like us, it's one to try to have the best of information so we can help kids the best way we can. But two, it's to try to create like, you know, a tribalism culture that allows kids to get excited about what they're doing and to come in and want to work a lot. Cause when they work a lot, that's when they get good. Right. And Cass and I were talking about this a little yesterday because, like, I primarily do, like, hitting lessons and, and, like, the way that I have things set up. And lessons don't work unless, like, the kid is doing a bunch of stuff, like, on their own. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're not working on stuff at home and they're not buying into, like, you know, the – you know what's necessary to be able to become like a really, really good hitter or a really good thrower, or you whatever. Don't you tell not. people this like right when they start working with you?
2: Do I? Yeah, I feel like I remember you telling people that like, oh, oh yeah, if you don't practice, I I practice don't, don't practice on your own, this isn't going to work for us. Here,
1: I'll give you my eval. I'll pretend like I'm evaling you, Cass. Yeah, Cass. All right, so we just talked a lot about like you know what we need to do to improve your swing. Like, let's talk about like how to improve it. And I think this is the most important part. So. I need you to understand that hitting is like math. It builds. So, like, if you don't know how to add, you're not going to do very well on your algebra test tomorrow, right? Hitting is the same way. So, if you don't work on the stuff that I give you today, like, forever, then you're not going to be very good. And I can't move on. So, if you can't figure out how to do your stride properly, I can't teach you how to turn. And do you know what my job is, Cass? yes i know it i
2: don't know what is it to make me better yeah so
1: my job is to help you become a better hitter but if you don't work on stuff at home you won't become a better hitter and that means that your mom and dad are paying me for no reason and that's called stealing and i'm not stealing from your parents so it's called i love this though called, yeah It means so i legitimately put it right out front in the beginning that i will like tell parents that i like will stop working with their kid if they're not working at home like Flat out. You just have to set expectations up front. Like, and that's the only way lessons work. Because, yeah. okay. You know, All right. So daughter, I will. Just so didn't go, ready go. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to take the other side of it
0: because sure. why not? And the tribalism culture that what we create and how we set our subscription or whatever you want to call the way yep. we do our plans or our training packages is that I want to create a safe space that these kids can come in and train because I didn't have it. And if you look at home gym success, it just doesn't happen. There's too many distractions and too many other things that you can't get into. So that's why we do our models the way we do, where we try to keep it as simple as again, once a week, twice a week, three times a week. And then we have a full timer situation right now because we want like the number one thing that surprised the crap out of me when I went from high school ball to Juco was like, wait, we're here seven days a week for six hours working on baseball. And to me, like that was the greatest thing ever, because I came from an environment in high school that I got told my freshman year that our head baseball coach was retiring. Okay, that means you're not going to be serious. No big deal. And we were terrible. We were terrible freshman year. Sophomore year, I got on um, varsity. We were terrible junior year. Pretty much all of the cancer guys got out, and we actually played baseball and did pretty good, right? right. So then we got right back to senior year, back to more cancer guys, and we right. were—I was the only one to go play college baseball, like it is, right. it is. So, my my point is, I understand what you're saying, but there's a lot of outside influence that happen through because that's why we like we literally i told cast i do not want to coach teams because i don't believe that you have to have teams to learn how to throw or pitch because if i teach you everything that you need to know you can go out and dominate and then your coach is going to give you all this advice on this stuff but he's not speaking the language that we've designed for you for you to be able to repeat what you're doing yeah you know? and so like i i don't know like of our serious guys cast how many of them only come in once a week like None well, of well, everybody, everybody comes
2: in two, three times a week because they know that they need to get stuff done. So Kurt and I talked about this because essentially, uh, I mean, I, I just have to be honest on this because I, I do not, this statement is not reflective of what I actually think. But I've, I've essentially said like lessons can be crap and, and they can be the yes. wrong way to do it. And that's not what Kurt is saying. So Kurt, I, first off, I appreciate how you said that, Kurt, because I know that it was in response to how we've talked about it. And like there there is a way to do both. You know, and both – and and this is the thing. is like our training is both of them. Yeah. So we are small group training, but we have private instruction all the time. Yeah. You know, it, it's based right. on it. So I just want you to know that, like, he 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 wasn't saying that lessons are superior. No, right. I, no, no. No, I, no. I know no, no. We were just, I, yeah. were just going back
1: yeah. and forth.
0: Exactly. I was just explaining our side of it. And, I, and I'll go one step further because I just thought of another point and something that may help you is – especially when you get to these group settings, like we pit them against each other by using a, oh, loop yeah. and then we do nothing. But like, there's a lot of, time. there's three kids that we have that are like our top. I know this is hilarious, but our top like eight, nine year olds. Um, but they, when they see that they're all in the gym at the same time, they have, they, they kind of get this eye and they want, oh, yeah. kids, and they start acting, yeah. and they start going. So, so
1: what's the story so me, here me, is that jump in? you're creating, I do this. But the problem is, is that with hitting, right? And with sometimes, I don't want this to be a bad sound bite, so let me say it correctly. Um, with hitting and with sometimes like the level of people that I start out with working at them, kids are just really not good, right? So I'm not going to put a 10-year-old who struggles to make contact with the ball in a group training setting, where the 10-year-old absolutely just demolishes every ball, right? And then just keeps spitting balls at those two 10-year-olds. And 10-year-old one, who smashes every ball, continues to smash every ball. 10-year-old two, who misses every ball, is embarrassed and is, like, crying on the way home because he didn't have a safe space to, like, be able to do whatever he's doing. And then 10-year-old one that I really want to work with because he's super good is, like, I don't want to train with this kid. Like, this isn't fun, right? So, like, the way that I do it is I onboard with lessons to group training. And then I only group train with kids that, like, are ready to compete. Like, the way that I look at it is, like, if you, you know, if you onboard with the lessons and you get to a point where it's like, okay, cool, now your movement's decent and you can, like, actually go and, like, compete against, like, pitching. Or, you know, a machine or me throwing difficult batting practice or whatever. Then, like, I'll throw you in the ring and let's go. But the problem is, is that, like, a lot of times what ends up happening is if kid X is not good at all and kid Y is really, really good, it becomes quite difficult in a hitting setting.
0: Okay. I I totally disagree because of this right here here's how we do it and i hope this helps you because this is where we see a lot of our kids really buy in we use the, both kids as an example back forth against each other so uh, we'll stay with 10 year old x which was the not so good ball player right i will point at 10 year old y and go look he's been with us for a year and look how consistent and what he is doing right I mean, he goes through I'm trying to use him as a model example when they're going through the throws and point things out. This is what you're trying to do. We know it's like what we always try to explain it. It's like learning a language. This is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. We already know that, right? you're going to get frustrated, throwing a baseball to a four-inch target is probably the second hardest thing to do in sports, like from any distance, right, which is really the pocket of the glove. So we use it the other way, too, where we have 10-year-old, uh why watching 10 year old x where we're going do you remember when you were there do you remember when we you were help him exactly and that's where we go if you see something with him i feel like even we have a nine-year-old that i that like i know he thinks the like same way where we percent. can go hey man if you see
2: anything on your buddy because we know you guys are the same thing Maybe say something. So now I have yeah. nine-year-olds learning how to help their teammates. Yeah. Oh no, it's money. It's so
1: money. Yeah. yeah. I I love I love the model, and I ten thousand percent agree with you. Yeah. Here's the problem. Well, one one things, hold on,
0: month. hold on. Before I just wanted to finish because do we do the we do. I understand what you're saying too, because if there are some kids that are just below too far. And so, when they blow right. too far, we will actually separate them from the group, have them go outside, do some of their stuff, cast their on exactly. their movements.
1: Yeah. But
2: then
0: we will always throw them back in there. Oh, for I sure. Want uh, them I- to be in the thick of it, competing because ultimately, when we have an awesome group and everybody's around the same age, or even if they're not, we will do strike competitions um, through different drills, and right. and you can still get a ton out of this from trying to have these kids compete because. None of these kids know how to lose or how to react to losing. Losing, yeah, You you said the little Timmy, you know, he goes home and he's so mad that the other kid was hitting, you know, better than him. And I would tell them the same thing my dad told me. Cause like I was telling Cass, I had a very traumatic first pitching experience that I'll never forget. I remember that it was the first time I got to pitch and I was going up against one of the cool kids in elementary school, you know, and he hit a bomb off me at like nine years old, like not even like a little one, like he softball leg kicked that thing out of the dang park, you know? <laughs> but I remember telling like being upset about it and be like, I can't believe i one run. And my dad was just like, well, if you don't like it, like work that's it. You've cool. never worked at pitching. Let's work on pitching. And that was like the start of it. And all of a sudden right. he's pointing out Greg Maddox to me and all these guys on the Braves because I grew up in the nineties. And that's what we did every night was watch the Braves. So anyway, back to you, go ahead.
2: But the thing is, is like, as Kurt's talking, I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. And as John's talking, I'm going, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there are good ideas in all of this stuff. And and I think at the end of the day, like, the challenge is that parents aren't experts at what we're experts at. Like, we can identify that, like, Kurt Hughes – we might not agree with everything that you say, but you're not shitty. Like you're really good and you care and you create an environment like you said that allows kids to get better. So is your model exactly um, what our model is? No, but both of them consider the negatives of them. So like the drawback of ours is that a kid, uh, you know, doesn't become more assertive and, 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 and our system is one that allows them to come in and, ha- and do things on their own. Like kids love that. That's, that's an important skill that we teach. And it, let's say a kid would fail in our system that doesn't embrace that, that needs to have his hand held the whole entire time or her hand held the entire time. They wouldn't flourish in our system. Like we need to take that into consideration. So when we see some of more introverted kids in an extroverted setting, We need to go and help them and and teach them how to be themselves in that environment um else they will they will fail because they will get uh left behind like we need them to be assertive to know when to hey my arm hurts if they're going through a whole session and not communicating with us that's really really bad where in your situation like you're going to be constantly talking to that one individual and and on a consistent enough basis that those kind of things might not slip through the cracks. So we have to and, we have to cover and that's until our I gra-
1: they graduate in the group le- group training, right? Right, like the right. Group training does exist. It just exists
2: in a you have to graduate to it. In the same way that private stuff in, exists in our system, it's just right. not the primary. It's not. It's yeah. not even that it's not primary. It's just two different words to 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 talk about about how we're training people really ultimately the biggest thing that got me with what
0: you were saying is is and the only way that i really feel comfortable referring someone to someone else is if i know they care like that's the number one thing that i want to know like there's a lot of people that i will not refer and like these guys talk to me they know the network that i've created in san diego and they're like hey man like is there any way that we can do a partnership or something and i hear that all the time and i had to tell someone the other day i said dude honestly no but, but and he's right. they're like, why? And I said, because I, I know what you teach. Right. And I like if I heard you say hit the ball on the ground to the right side too many times. And I just don't believe the game should be played that way. So your ideas are off yeah. to me. So I'm just not going to refer. I don't so, want anybody to be like, oh, and I know people do the same thing with us. They're like, oh, you try to throw as hard as you can all the time. And I'm like, yeah,
2: but that's what I saw. So why are some people like in the, if we could break it down into just like the tribalism concept or just like a system, however, we're I don't know, these are now, now these are becoming interchangeable. But I want us to talk about like, wh- how can like, how can people identify that people aren't good or like, what are those people doing? Is it simply that, you know, they have really good culture and that they're teaching the wrong things, you know, like, why aren't people good? You go first, Kurt, and then I have another. Can you
1: ask the question one more time? I like, I'm just right?
2: trying to say, like, from your opinion, why are people, why are coaches failing? Why are why are people not having success in this industry? Like, because because I, I think it can be lumped into like, oh, they're not having success; they're bad human beings. Like, from your opinion, why do you think some coaches with good intentions are simply not good?
1: Uh, I think it's kind of. I think at times it's in it's an over control thing. Like a lot of coaches have like. I don't want to lump everybody into this thing, but like a lot of times, and I even try to like monitor myself doing it too. It's like, we feel like we have to change stuff like way too often. Right. Like a kid will start going on a path that's like 95% good and like 5% bad. And a coach will be like, Oh no, you have to do this differently. And then it breaks the path that they're the 95% path that they're, that they're currently on and moves them into, you know, a less good path so I, f- I feel like coaches a lot of times they are a little bit too invasive um mm. to a fault right and the more that we just throw cue salads at kids and not allow them to you know learn how to move within like constraints and the barriers that we create in order for them to be successful then um you know kids struggle. Like I find that the less words I can use to describe things and the more like um, barriers or constraints that I create for those things to be figured out, I find that kids improve way more. So um, for my money, it's a thing where coaches just are constantly queuing new stuff all the time and kids can't latch on to anything because they're changing all the time.
0: So, but uh, one of the questions that he had that I want to know with you too is, Sure, he said was, how do you know if it's working? Like, how do you identify if the place that you're training at is working? If you're,
1: if you're a client? Yes. Yeah, so it's data, really. I exactly. mean, like, as a parent, if you're like a, because most, most uh, the reality is, is mo- from a business perspective, most, com- most consumers of our type of service are Uneducated, and I don't mean uneducated. Mean they're stupid. I mean, like they just don't like understand like the mo- some of the movement stuff that we're talking about today. Like they're not gonna like grasp onto and like understand like the value in what we're talking about. You know, like you're talking about. Arm like matches. I know
2: nothing about the ping pong association right now, but and that's how most people know about baseball. Like they know nothing. I know nothing okay. about ping pong. Right. Nothing. Yeah. Except that
1: I can beat you in it. But anyways, um, a whole other debate yeah it's a whole whole another day yeah um anyways uh yeah so they're just they just don't fully understand so like as a parent like how do you know that like your kid is getting better like you evaluate the data that is produced by your kid in that setting right so like are is a parent gonna be able to look at a video and be like oh that's good like maybe not but if you did like if you were looking at your kid in a side by side with someone who obviously was a really good thrower that had minimal injuries and like, that'd be a good way to do it. Also like, you know, um, velocity data, Rapsodo data, um, as far as throwing is concerned for hitting. Um, it's really like video blast motion and hit tracks data. And so I try to get like eval data on everybody, like what they were doing on average, the first day they come in. So that way, like, you know, in a month or so we can take a glance at it and see where they're at now. Um, the hit tracks isn't mine so I don't have access to it every day but usually I can get a kid in there like once a month so we can kind of track where they're at so like as a a consumer like that has to be like the sticking point like if you're not getting data then how do you know I mean you don't that's the answer yeah I totally agree that's
0: the biggest things that happened to me when I was growing up we didn't have a lot of pitching coaches or this and that but a lot of coaches a lot of people would just be like oh you're throwing 90 they would just say it that's gotta be 90 miles an hour. And you'd be like, Oh, okay. So your head would get filled. And then you'd go to a showcase and you'd be like 84. And you're like, well, I thought it through 90, you know, and and that concept still happens today. And like it's funny because when he first came in and he saw the radar gun set up with everything in there, he was just like, Wait, you just tracked like velocity on every throw? I'm like, Yeah, it's kind of how we monitor health. Like we can I can tell, like there was a kid yesterday, we had he a brand new up.
2: He just made that up. I never said that. Yeah,
0: yes, he did. He's definitely said that. Uh, anyway, uh, we had a kid yesterday come in, brand new kid, and I told his dad, I said, every kid that we've had in here, including myself, probably Cass, probably you, every one of them developed the ability to lie to their coach about their arm because it takes one time for you to throw in a game and you say your arm hurts, your coach pushes you on the bench, and then you no longer say that <laughs> because you just keep playing. That's all you do Is that's all right. they want to do. They just want to keep playing the game. And yeah. so I told the dad, I said, His arm's probably going to start hurting i need to establish like the safe position so i need him to understand that he needs to tell me so that when it happens we can work on it we can do some things to try to show him one what he is doing is actually affecting his arm hurting because a lot of kids think that it just hurts and by the way all you kids at home your arms should not hurt when you throw it's 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 an unnatural motion yes But I'm 33. Let's just no. Your arm should never hurt when you're throwing. Something is do not moving correctly. If it hurts, okay. So that's your body telling you that there is a position that you are in that is not good.
2: You shouldn't be. You shouldn't feel pain. Period.
0: Yeah, but there's this stigma that I've heard, and especially with me, it's like, oh,
2: that's just what my arm does. It gets sore. No, mm -mm, but like if you back squatted you and felt pain, you like wouldn't back squat immediately. Like, yeah, you. I,
0: I meant that. Like you shouldn't feel pain with anything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it just happens all the time. And so sure enough,
1: the kids don't. Can you guys eat. talk about the difference between like pain and, and soreness? Because I think that that's something that can kind of get lost. When I say soreness, I mean like if you
2: back squat. Yes, that's, that's the answer. That's how you know. You know what it feels like to be sore from back squatting. Like that's the best answer. And you can say it, but like that's what I feel like is the best way to think about it. So, in my in my opinion, the difference
0: in pain and soreness is the time frame. That's what I always try to tell people. Great, That's if, a good answer. If you're, if it happens right after the throw, that is 100 pain. If it would say, if you know, right? If right. you later on, like there's, I, I, I don't believe in the soreness thing because it has, it just takes too long for DOMS to set in. So, like soreness would definitely be the next day, right? But if you throw and you throw hard and then later that night like your arm starts hurting or something, you weren't throwing correctly. That's pain. There was right. a, there was an issue. Like I got a text yesterday from a kid. He said he threw three innings, uh, struck out seven, felt great, and then he got home, started eating, and then all of a sudden his elbow started hurting, right? And he's freaking out because it's his elbow, and everybody knows about Tommy John and blah, 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 right? But, you know, I'm like, if you did not throw a pitch, and then right after that it hurt, then you probably just fatigued it super hard and – Maybe you have some swelling pushing on a nerve that's causing an issue. But who knows? I don't know what the issue is. But, you know, like, trust me, if it didn't happen right after the throw, you did not tear your UCL. Yep. So I hope that pain, soreness, time frame. That's that's good. It's good. good. I like it. Yeah, cool. Uh, There was one more thing that you guys wanted to –
2: Well, do you have – what's your time frame? uh, I have, like, 20 minutes.
0: Perfect. Okay um he's disappointed me yeah no he no, rolled his eyes and looked away and i said no, perfect
2: it's, it's good it's no i was gonna say like we can we can be done in the next five minutes or less. no i mean i probably i can go longer too it doesn't really matter my lesson okay. 20 and it's 12 o'clock here yeah. so so essentially i i think where where we're really similar i think is that i i, I think where we could learn from kurt uh, is like the eval process i think is is really formal for Kurt. Um, you know, if, if we were really going to be nitpicky, like we could, we could do more of a formal introduction. Um, but outside of that, like at the end of the day, you know, our arguments and our methods might be a little bit different, but we have a really, if, if you, if you have what look at what your kids do in the first three months with you and the same thing with us, like I think our, our before and afters in that window is pretty dramatic. Right. So we must be doing something similar in that standpoint Um, and we'll continue to get better at that. But I just think for me personally, that has been something in Minnesota. I told people like, I am not actually teaching you that much. I'm simply teaching you how to prepare and have a system to follow. And I would say that in the same way here, it's just, we, I just know that we can help people throw better, faster than I've ever seen before, you know, like quickly. So the rotational aspect, I see similarities there. We talked about tribalism. I I don't even like, like the, I think the thing that, that I would like to articulate better is the idea that what people think is like, and and I'm guilty of this is like, when I look at a system, um, you know, let's just Johnny's pitching facility. That's really good. That's leading the nation in wherever, you know, like. The things that I want to copy of that is that everybody buys into something. And I'll never forget this conversation I had with my strength coach from Hamlin um, years back. He's like, this is how I, this is how I do things. In the fall, I, I decide what I'm gonna do, you know, going into the fall in July. And I am and I plan that out and I tell all my athletes and I get as much buy-in as I possibly can. By like November, I'm like, wow, why am I doing half of this stuff? right? But I keep on doing it. I, in my head as a coach, I go, this is so silly that I picked that exercise, but I don't tell anybody about it. I just go, okay, let's buy into this. And then Christmas time comes around. They have their break. I reevaluate. I make my program better. I come back in January and I say, Hey, these are some of the things that we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Boom. And now you buy in as hard as you possibly can for the next three to four months. And he just does this constant cycle. Now that model, I love that model. Anecdotally, I know that he didn't actually do that because our, our athletes were not seeing progression like he was describing. Um, you know, if his learning curve was actually like that, right, if you follow that model, you'd think you'd have a really, really good strength program. But regardless, um, I'm getting a little too personal there, but um, regardless, like, that's what I think. I think there needs to be this way, and then this way, and then this way, and then this way, and that all of these ways can work, and that people are, are too worried about. You know, trying to fit into all of those tribes at the same time, and that or that there's only one. It's like no, there's a bunch of them, and this is how we're doing it because this is the best way that we know how over here. And if you buy into us, you're gonna you're going to see results by buying into us. And I again, like we could have crappy stuff. I believe you said at the beginning, Kurt. Right? Like if we just practice something a lot, we're gonna get really good at it. So at the end of the day, are you creating habits? for kids that get them to practice more often and acquire a skill that they didn't have before. And it seems that that's, yes, that seems yeah. like we're doing a really good job of that. And I feel like that's what is missing in the industry. These yeah. are some of the things that I feel like are unique to us and I don't see them industry-wide. I couldn't,
1: I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, really it's just about getting kids to be passionate about something and to continuously want to do it. I mean, so have you guys ever read the book, The Talent Code? Heard about it. Great book. You should read it. Um, I should read a lot of things. It's all good. So one of, they were, I forget the exact thing, but they were, they did like an experiment. And the experiment they did is they took this uh, music teacher, like a re- renowned, like piano teacher or whatever. And a pianist. He, what's that?
2: A pianist. Yes. For sure. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, so <laughs> Calling it what it is, bro. I think you yeah, just yeah. So yeah. They, took,
1: they took this really really good uh, piano pianist or whatever you want to call it, pianist. And what they did was they asked all her students a series of questions on the day they walked in, and also asked them a series of questions like a couple of months later, right? And they were trying to figure out what's the greatest predictor of of like success. And they hypothesized that it was gonna be practice time, right? And it turned out that that hypothesis was actually wrong. The hypothesis, uh, or what was actually right was, they asked the student, how long do you see yourself playing your instrument? And the students that like, were able to give a definitive timeline on like, oh yeah, like, I don't know, I'll probably play it until I'm like, you know, sometime in high school, those students did really, really poorly, they sucked. But the students that they didn't understand that there was a time that they would not be playing their instrument, that they were just like, oh, like-
2: This is um, what I I do. I'll
1: always be playing my instrument, I don't know, I never really thought about it. Like, those are the students that ended up being super successful. So a lot of that just comes back to like, getting that passion about what you're doing, right? And then like, practice time is less important than focus practice time right so like obviously it's good to have a kid to practice for like an hour right but if you know only 15 minutes of that practice is actually like you know deliberate then it doesn't matter like you could practice for an hour and if the practice isn't deliberate then it doesn't matter how you know long you practice if you're not like really focused in that practice
2: i have so many things to say that i just can't say anything because the big thing that jumps out is like the kids, like how many times are there adults like in the way of their ability to get to that place that you just described? Like they can't get to that because somebody's like, Johnny, you didn't do it right there. He's like, I'm, I'm five, bro. I'm five. I think, I think that's the reason why it's
1: so important. Like, and this is one of the things that I work on a lot. And I think, I think this is why like the lesson format, at times can be really valuable is because the reality is is when a kid is like ages eight to 12 or even younger than that. So like, let's say five to 12, the parent wants to work with their kid. Like the dad, most of the time wants to be involved in some way. They don't know how to be involved in a productive way and actually like help. Right. So one of the things that I've worked really, really hard on is try to create drills that are very binary, meaning like, okay, like if you did it right, it's really obvious that you did it right. And yes, if you did nice. it wrong, it's really obvious that you did it wrong, right? So that kind of gives the power and like you and I like legitimately teach the parent how to do the drill, so that way, like when they're at home and they're working on the drill, the parent can really, really easily evaluate whether or not their kid did that drill correctly, and it doesn't become a situation where like Cass was just describing, where it's like you did it wrong, but like the parent really has no basis for so saying that you did it wrong. They're just saying you did it wrong because you missed it or something like that, right?
2: In the solution, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. So the fact that the drill is very binary and it's like a, yes, I did it. No, I didn't do it. Um, It kind of gives like the parent almost a little bit control back. And obviously once they get to like that 12, 13 age, like we do want to get them out of like a daddy ball kind of situation. But the reality is, is before that, it's really hard to not be in a daddy ball situation. So how do we make the best, daddy ball situation that we can possibly have and really it's by giving the parents the tools to actually be able to not mess up their kid
2: this is because why our video library is so important like and we're, we've just been talking about creating more and more and more content and, and organizing it correctly and these are one of those things it's a great point like as parents of 6 to 12 year olds that age group Gosh, I, I'm really glad you said that, man, because they need to be shown. I, I We uh, we had a kid, his dad, uh, one of the first times that they were in, and John gave his dad a, a few cues like, hey, these are some of the appropriate things that you could be saying from the stands. And the dad came back and like, dude, my kid was so much better because I could just tell him things that were productive in a game. And yeah. it's not that hard to teach that. That's a great point, man. I love that.
0: Yeah, we're, we're trying to make sure that everybody understands that, every, like, everybody there is on the same team. That's what we're saying. Like mom, dad, us, right. coach, like you have to stop, you have to understand they're all on your team. And even if your coach gives you different information than what we, we say, like the different cues, we really want them to understand how to process it the way we want to process it. Cause right. there's That's so that. many obvious coaching cues that people say, like it's it's one of the biggest problems in the industry, I think at, at you know all levels is People think they're hel- helping by only identifying the problem, like something as simple as you're flying open, and then you tell a kid, "We'll stay close," and then you see a kid that's like, "Well, what do you mean?" And they're like trying to throw like this right here, you know? Yeah. And they're not even like rotating their shoulders at all, at all. And uh, they take things literally, you know. And and there's just so many,
2: there's so many of them that frustrate the crap out of it. I, I want to hear because I know you've been sitting on something, but the thing John said this to me last night, and like we believe in our kids hard and we want to show them that we believe in them and some of our conversations are are specifically around how do we authentically because we mean this like how do we what's the best way for us to get our kids to understand how much we believe in them because when we believe in them they are going to believe in us and that that is that that's the tribe yeah
0: exactly exactly
2: Back to John's
1: point, I I really like the tribe thing that you said, Cass. I I don't want to, like... No, go, go.
2: Run. ...something
1: in my head. So, the way I look at it is that, like, I'm, like... I try to make myself, like, a little kid's lawyer. Like, when I say lawyer, I mean, like, when you're writing a contract or something like that, like, the language has to be so specific that there's no way that it can be misinterpreted, right? Yeah. So, like, which is why, like, I hate cues, like, we're talking about cues, so... Why I hate cues, like, stay back. Like, it's the worst cue of all time because kids will do exactly what you asked them to, right? You say, stay back. That kid, um, will go right onto their backside. Their pelvis will stay flat, just like we're talking about, and they won't be able to prepare for the rotation properly. But if you said lean back and tilt your pelvis up, we have the situation that we're looking for, right? And the kid's posture will be back. So their kid will never f- have his head flat forward in the swing and a lot of the things we're looking for will happen, right? So, like, it's a challenge because you know, especially like in the daddy ball or like the parents coaching, uh, coaching culture, it becomes a situation where uh, kids are given a lot of non-specific language, and they're tasked with the idea that they have to try to like dissect it and come up with like the best way to do whatever they're doing. And the reality is, is most kids can't do that. So, like, we need to come up with language and we need to come up with drills and constraints and barriers or whatever that make it totally obvious that there's no way that kid or parent could make a mistake. Or coach, for that matter. And the coach, the hardest part, is I'm sure you guys know, because, like, every coach thinks that they're really smart, even if they're not.
2: And there isn't a, the only universal language in baseball is... You mean like verbal like, like, change up you mean? It's like the John brought that up the other day I'm like oh that's crazy but everything else there isn't a common language so good training facilities or good programs they establish very specifically the language that they're gonna use and what that stuff means and and the utility of that vocabulary right like how is this helpful
1: yeah it's so hard because like there's a whole nother way to look at it too like I 10,000 percent agree with you about like common language. But from like a differential, like learning perspective, like you do want to be able to present things in a bunch of different ways.
2: Totally. I'm I'm, I'm just bringing to light that there is not a universal way for us to talk about hitting or throwing. So a program or a facility or a whatever, like you have to establish how you're going to talk about things, Kurt. Because when you say, I hate saying stay back, you're going to have a lot of kids that actually might, they might stay back really well. Like they might do it correctly and they might be like, that might be a cue that they have that they have success because of right but it wouldn't hurt them to say lean back while you're moving forward or something like you know what i mean i'm, like agreeing that. With you. I'm simply just stating that the yeah, value of having of having somebody like you just say this is how we're going to talk about things i think that's right. necessary and a lot of people don't do that most people just say oh well, you know what lean back means you know what your arm drags means like nobody knows why arm drag happens nobody right. talks about it the right way in our opinion but everybody knows what it means no we know what arm drag looks like we know what a pushy throw looks like right we're experts in this field but like most people have a general idea dads know what a short arm action is like they know what short arming it looks like they have a general idea of what these things look like but nobody knows exactly what they're talking about so then it's our job to like, okay when i say this it means that and a lot of places don't do that right so no. you have not much time left i this has been really good on my yeah, end it's been fun i has been, been fun, fun.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm it's fun how the internet is connecting all these like minds i know we talked about i'll bring it full circle and he talked about yeah. instagram earlier and and i was we were talking the other day and i told him i said it's really crazy that you know like cosmos quantum physics of timing that I was getting to the point where I was getting busy enough. I had just made move to the new gym. I Started having some big time success. And then this guy was like, you know, banging at the door to try to get in and, you know, get into the program and help. And it just worked out so nicely. And I saw the potential of it and ran a trial trial worked. And, you know, that's what it's all about is trying to build that team and get people excited about what you're doing. And, and uh, you know, so Thanks to the big bearded guy over here for.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cas was always going to work because he works harder than anybody for the most part. He just like he's super passionate and he works hard, so he's always going to figure something out. It was just cool that you were able to see that and kind of bring him on, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I, I had already been thinking for a while that I needed a number two or someone that could just take a little bit of the stress that it was because I mean I've been doing it solo for. I don't know, eight years or so, like, while playing and stuff. And so, you know, it's fun to finally have, like, somebody that you can be like, yeah, man, I'm going to go – like, yesterday we we ran over to our, you know, the monster – I got to watch his, you know, as easy as it sounds, watch him strike out four people so he could break this record and – you know, the, he got
2: to go to a baseball game while I sat and trained people, yeah. and it was awesome.
0: Yeah, it was great. I was there for two innings, got to see what I needed to see, and shook hands, kissed babies, and headed back to the facility to keep teaching some more queso.
2: You know? So I, I'll, I'll say this, and then I will shut up and let John close it out. I love that you are continuing to grow, but also that your content, you're putting out more content. So for anybody that's watching that doesn't know Kurt, he's been, he's been giving away most of the things that he talks about. So um go and watch his stuff it's really really good from a hitting perspective and he he, he talks so he, he isn't just posting a clip here or there there's a lot of deep stuff so and you write a lot too don't you yeah i'm
1: writing an article right now on adjusting to spin rate um and i also want to uh, before we we go yeah how I do we know, how, how I do funny. i follow you what oh sorry what you can follow me on twitter at ignite underscore baseball you can follow me on Instagram at ignite underscore baseball. Uh, my Facebook page is just Ignite Baseball. My YouTube page is just Ignite Baseball. So hit all those newsletter. up. Newsletter. What's that? Newsletter. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can sign up for a newsletter on my uh, on my page, uh IgniteBaseball.org. When I say page, I mean my website. Yeah, I get
2: his um, his newsletter and it's fantastic stuff. I, I love I love baseball people uh, emailing free information. It's awesome. Yeah, um, I want to get your guys' thoughts
1: on how um, training spin rate. You guys have an hypo- hypothesis on
2: how you think that is done. Did you listen to the last DriveLine podcast? I don't think so. No, I did they, they have been saying they don't forever and ever. I think John would say yes. Yeah, um, you have to train for spin rate. Yeah, I mean, and like, I,
0: it's yeah. just more, it's like more answers to the problem. Like, but like can you get more spin rate? Is yeah. that what
2: you're asking? No, no, yeah. he's talking about the hitting part, right? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no.
1: no I, like, I already have a bunch of hypotheses. Do we know like how that. to
2: get more spin?
1: Yes, yeah, so like if you're a pitcher. Like, and you want to increase your spin rate. Like, we've been people have been saying forever that there's no way to do it, no one knows how to do it. I'm asking if you guys have a hypothesis.
0: Well, uh, I i will officially say I know how to do it. The, okay, I do cool. It, I do it all the time. Well, we, do no. it, we do it all the time with the concepts of what we talk about. So, that's what we're excited about getting the right photo. Do we, we, we don't have any way to prove it. No, I know we don't have any way to prove it, but yes, we do. We do have a way to prove it because. We can't prove it with actual data right now because we're working on Rapsodo, which we will, like I said, that's the whole credit card, blah, blah, blah. We've been in a holding pattern for two weeks, and he heard me yell at Capital One yesterday and finally got it figured out. But either way, with the eye, we can see that, all right, so if we take physics and we know spin rate, the more it spins, the longer it stays at uh, higher velocity, the less it decelerates. So we can show them in video where, like, when they throw, talk- it
1: stays high. I mean, for hitters, that's the okay. Go ahead, continue. Okay,
0: so I, I will, I, I think that's an optical illusion of the high part. I think it's straight because gravity says it falls, right? So right. the less the span the more it falls. So like, we don't say high; we say straight. Stay straight, long.
1: Okay, A potato. Yeah, pot- same thing, exactly. Gravity. Yeah,
0: I'm just okay. trying to establish the parameters okay. of what we're saying. Cool. So we can show kids that actually, if they were to follow through as fast as they can and pull down with their wrist as hard as they can through release and what we call fruit ninja, then the ball will actually go faster and straighter. We can show that in a video. So we, we do that all the time with stuff and like the spin rate for what we're doing. It just depends on the pitch.
1: The you know best I mean? way to increase the right. rate is to throw. So I was, I was talking more independent of
2: velocity. Uh, independent like, of velocity. So they say that. Right. So like if I it. throw
1: harder, if I throw a ball at fifty-five, and then I the next ball I throw is sixty-five, assuming that I throw the same pitch type, it's going to spin differently, right? So I was asking more on the terms of like,
2: I know what you're people
1: asking. don't really know how to train it, train spin rate independent of velocity. So how do I hold ninety but increase my spin spin rate? Well, and
0: exactly. So that's the same thing. It could be finger positioning, like he's talking about the drive line thing. It could be finger positioning. Could be hand size. Could be uh, right, That's yeah. that's
1: why I asked because I thought it was yeah. really interesting. Like it's a kind of an interesting wormhole right now because at least for the way I've been studying it lately, like the thing that differentiates like really high level major league pitchers and their ability to you know get swing and misses on four fastballs is their spin rate. If they have a above norm spin rate, they're able to get hitters to swing under the ball. So really, hitters are used to seeing ninety seven all the time. Is they're not missing it because they're it's a 97 mile fastball. They're missing it because it's 97 with above average spin rate that the hitter swings under. But look, so you that, yeah.
2: But it's also it's that's also like in a vacuum without the idea of sequencing too. So like it's not to say that there's it's too complicated. The Driveline Podcast is t- talking about this pretty consistently. Right. At, I just know you have to run. That's why I'm, like, cutting this short a little bit. No, you're fine. I just thought
1: it was an interesting conversation that I wanted to yeah,
2: have. Yeah, no, it's it's great. I love that stuff because it with me,
0: like, for what he's saying, the whole vacuum thing, I totally understand because people are looking pitches – looking at pitches independently, and in our opinion, you can't, like, have to see the context of yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Sequence. Like, I will – like, so, for example, Cordell, when he was pitching in Seattle against batters, we were watching he was pumping some absolute cheese, right? And it was forcing, and it was a lot of spin rate, right? I was not throwing as hard, but some of the kids were saying I was more difficult to hit because I had so many more pitches. He was fastball slider change, and I was forcing, seam two-seam, cutter, curve, slider, change, split. And right. so they were – because of the variability of the pitch, you know, the range of motion That's of the, the velocity of what's going on –
1: yeah.
0: exactly. Exactly. So, like, intentionally, I was instead of throwing four seams at the top zone, like what they, like what drive line everybody else is talking about. I'm only trying to throw four seams inside. Right. Right. And, And so, like, I'm only trying to. I'm trying to tunnel off my best version of pitches and what but I it know. But it might what be works.
2: because your fastball, your forcing fastball doesn't have good spin rate would be the counter argument to that. So I, how dare you? We, we, I, but <laughs> I, I, I just don't <laughs> know, you know, we don't know that stuff. So. Yeah. We don't,
0: we don't know until we get the rep. So done. and even like what, when I talk about it too, I was telling Cass and I were talking about, it. like I move incredibly fast and I still feel like how I throw the ball and my extension and what happens with it. My numbers don't match what the hitters are doing you know what i mean like even though cordell was throwing significantly harder than me when i watch guys swing at my fastball i have a ton of late swings and they are underneath the ball like you were saying So he
2: i feel like when we look at rapsito like his effective spin is going to be like off the charts like all of his pitches are spinning very close to the way he wants to all the time right. so anyway yeah that's, that's a me. good
0: one that's a good one cool. that's, that's a good thing because even on the hitting side like i've heard that you know guys with higher spin rate you have to aim to the top of the ball because of the optical illusion while you're swinging guys with lower spin rate you almost have to anticipate the sink to it so you have to swing underneath it so you can square it up you 100%. know there's a, bunch, there's, there's a bunch of things like that, that on the things that happen you know and i i think you, i'm pretty sure you probably will know this too but they say anything over 96 you can't tell the difference Because your eyes can't track things moving
1: that fast. I mean, your eyes can't track things moving way slower than that, too. Like, the difference really is, like, it's either you, you can't see it for the last 15 feet or you can't see it for the last 10 feet. So, like, if someone's throwing 75, you can't see it for the last 10 feet. If someone's throwing 96, you can't see it for the last 15. So, it just really, like, it just pushes where, like, you have to make your gamble further out when people throw harder. Yeah. Does that make sense? No,
0: 100%. That's why it's Cutter Nation. Yeah, there you that's go. Exactly what? Because in my opinion, the cutter is the most devastating pitch because it moves the latest.
1: Yeah. So. All right. I got to bounce, fellas. What was a
0: perfect way to end it right there? That was absolutely perfect. So Hey,
2: thank you very much for coming Yeah, man, no, This Kurt. is good.
0: We'll do this again. I re- So the reason why I like this forum, too, is because I can have eight people on here at once. So we're. Oh, like, cool. I've been saying it forever that I'm going to do a round table one over here. But we're that's definitely cool. going to do something like that because there's just too many – styles and cues and minds yeah. that like it, it just conversation breeds you know progress on what we're trying yeah. to get out there and, and it's fun because we like to introduce our parents and our clients and even the community that we have to other people that are like you so you know yeah. thanks for taking some time this morning and coming on the podcast and saying what's up and if they're you know on the flip side if there's anything you want us to come over there and yell at some kids about because he knows, like, one of my favorite things to do is go out there and yell at kids on why you're not trying to strike people out. You know, like, yeah. what, what are you doing? Like, you're, yeah. you are a pitcher. You get paid by strikeouts, but everybody wants you to, like, okay, last thing. Why would you let somebody hit the ball? Can you answer that question
1: for me? I can't. No.
0: Yeah, exactly. If we're in the backyard, all three of us, and we're playing with a wall, I'm bringing the noise and trying to strike both of you two out every time. And if you're not trying to do it to me right back, then I'm going to feel like you're slighting me. And don't slight. Give me your best effort. Don't don't half it right now. Don't give me the half <laughs> I want to I make sure you. that we know that this is a competition. Yes, sir. Cool. Cool. All, right. all right buddy well thanks again um, guys go follow him um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll shout it out on Instagram ignite baseball IG Twitter YouTube everywhere I'm sure if you should google him he will you will find everything you can with Kurt Hughes and ignite baseball you got anything thank you very much yeah you Have got you nice. got any more thing anything else Kurt hey
1: guys I enjoyed it thank you All right, guys.
0: man sounds good all right guys don't forget throw hard appreciate it and we'll talk to you soon yeah we'll do this again it's been too long and we'll keep doing it
1: all right. Sounds good.
0: Later,
2: Kirk.